With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When the ice breaks, when the heart shake in the town and the moxie in winter, the end of my love for now and you've spent your summer. Hi everyone and welcome once again to the 50 Years Ago in Hockey Podcast. This is our weekly episode number 133. I'm your host, Rick Cole. Every week, right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, we take a trip down memory lane back 50 years in time and we bring you all the hockey news from that period. Exactly as it was written in the words of some of the greatest sports writers of all time. This week it's May 22nd to 28, 1972. Now, if you like what we do here every week on the Hockey Podcast Network and, of course, every day on Twitter, you can help us out a lot by going to patreon.com slash hockey50years and subscribe to the podcast. Our subscribers get early access to each week's free podcast, and we also have some really neat stuff in the hopper that we're developing this summer where we're going to dive a little more deeply and in greater detail to the stories that were dominating the hockey world in 1972. With the WHA starting up and the Summit Series being played this fall, there's going to be a lot of news for this hockey year. Our overtime uh, sessions are going to be shorter this year, but more focused, and we're going to have them all summer. So that's patreon.com slash hockey50years to subscribe, and we thank you all for your support. So as we progress through the spring of 1972, the volume of hockey news would have thought was dwindling, and to a certain extent it was, simply because there were no games on which to report. But there was still a lot of off-ice activity going on, mainly, of course, because at this point in time, of the activities of the World Hockey Association. Uh, one thing that was a big change from past off-seasons was player signings usually didn't happen this early in the past. They were usually uh, August, September, uh, during training camp. That's when guys were signing their contracts. This year, a lot of guys were anxious to speak to the new league and get a contract signed either there or with their own team. Now, every contract that was signed turned out to be at least a press release from the team, and it was cause for examination by fans, uh, especially... Uh, because of a few instances that happened over this past couple of weeks where we found some players uh, that signed with their NHL teams had already alleged to have signed contracts with both the NHL and the WHA. So what we're going to do, uh, this week we're going to try and go through everything chronologically. Uh, there's a lot of pieces to get to here. We're going to start on Monday uh, with what seemed to be an important story as far as the Canadian Amateur Hockey Association goes, this story was making the rounds. And remember, at this point in time, the CAHA was holding their annual meeting in St. John, New Brunswick, where, as I record this, I'm going to be in a, in a week or two. We're going on a vacation in the Maritimes. So we may be missing for uh, a couple of weeks, but we're going to be out in eastern Canada. So let's see what the Canadian press was reporting about the CAHA. 
Resolutions proposing a revamping of the structure of the Canadian Amateur Hockey Association surfaced as the association's annual meeting opened in St. John, New Brunswick. The Alberta Amateur Hockey Association called for changes in the constitution and bylaws of the national organization in order to fulfill what was termed a need for a stronger and better national body to govern amateur hockey in Canada. Now, discussion of the proposals was deferred until a report was heard from a five-member CAHA committee that has been studying the association structure for the past year. Alberta was suggesting a realignment of amateur hockey governing bodies, allowing for 10 provincial branches, which would each be represented in the various CAHA councils, meaning, of course, 10 members for every council. Such a structure would allow each category of hockey to more fully participate in the policies of the organization. The Alberta proposal stated that as we visualize the organization, each provincial branch would organize five councils, minor, junior, intermediate, senior, and college. Each council chairman would then become a director of the CAHA along with the branch president and would have all voting privileges. The proposals called for complete controls of amateur hockey in Canada and also suggested bringing Hockey Canada under the wing of the National Amateur Organization. The AAHA also suggested a break from the present agreement between the CAHA and the National Hockey League to be followed by a system in which the Professional Hockey League pays for each player received from the amateurs, meaning they would pay every player and it they're not this uh, saying whether, uh, depending on how a player was received, what draft uh, standing he had, whether he would get more money. That wasn't in this proposal, but you can bet it's being discussed in the back rooms. Stay tuned on this one for later in the week. We had more news. The rest of Monday's news, the Associated Press was reporting that the city of Philadelphia had been given a conditional franchise in the World Hockey Association. Now, if you remember, we told you about Howard Casper, the Philadelphia lawyer who arranged Bernie Perrant's contract with the Miami Screaming Eagles. He had been angling for the Miami franchise to move to Philadelphia. Now it appeared that that was in the cards. Well, that happened later that day. Uh, The franchise was, in fact, going to be Miami's as the WHA announced not only the conditional franchise, but that this Philadelphia team, as of yet, of course, unnamed, would be given the World Hockey Association rights to all the players who were previously on Miami's negotiation list. The coach of the Detroit Red Wings is uh, Johnny Wilson, and he came there last year. He has a brother named Larry Wilson, who should be familiar with the Flyers system. Uh, He's going to take over as Richmond Robins American Hockey League coach next season, hired by the Flyers. Now, why will he be uh, familiar with the Flyers system? Well, Wilson, now 41, was a center on the 1967-68 American Hockey League Buffalo Bisons, coached by Fred Shiro, who is now, of course, the coach of the Flyers. Wilson signed a two-year contract to coach the AHL team after piloting teams to first-place finishes in three of the last four seasons. Last season, Providence is where Larry was coaching. He finished fourth. Now, during his 23-year professional playing career, Larry Wilson played in 152 NHL games split between the Detroit Red Wings and and the Chicago Blackhawks. St. Louis Blues announced uh, five players that signed on Monday. They include goalie Jacques Caron, uh, center Frank St. Marseille, right wing Gary Sabarin, center Danny O'Shea, and defenseman Andre Moose Dupont. 
Also on Monday, Bernard Boom Boom Jeffrey on one of the NHL all-time greats and the second man to score 50 goals in a National Hockey League season. Longtime right winger with the Montreal Canadiens, also played for the New York Rangers. Well, the Boomer was formally introduced on Monday as the very first coach of the new Atlanta no-name team. They're still waiting to determine the name. There's a contest going on to name the Atlanta whatever they will be. The Boomer leaving the scouting job with the New York Rangers to take over the Atlanta team. Some players signing news from Monday. The Quebec Nordiques of the New World Hockey Association are reported to have offered Buffalo Sabres center Gilbert Perrault whopping $500,000 to sign a five-year contract. No word on whether Perot is leaning that way or not. His two-year deal expired this year, and the Sabres are probably going to have to pony up a bit of money to keep that fine French-Canadian center. The World Hockey Association's New England Whalers signed goalie Bruce Landon, who was with the American Hockey League Springfield Kings. It's a two-year deal for Bruce with New England. The word from Toronto is that at least defenseman Rick Lee and center Jim Harrison are headed for the World Hockey Association Edmonton Oil Kings. That that kind of makes me wonder because Lee is on the New England Whalers list, not even on the Edmonton list. Somebody's got their wires crossed with that one. And we saw that uh, notation in several, so I'm not attributing it to any one person. Uh, some other uh, NHL signings. The Flyers signed Simon Nolay, Rick Foley, and Bob Kelly, who had been reported flirting with the WHA, was a little more than flirting, as we'd find out in a day or two. Well, this week is when the meeting is being held in New York City in the NHL Board of Governors and the Expansion Committee are going to listen to presentations from the teams that are hoping to get an expansion team to be starting in the league in 1974-75. Here's a place that we never thought we'd ever say would have an, an NHL team. Grand Prairie, Texas. Well, this actually, on Monday was uh, reported that it could become a reality on Wednesday when the meeting in New York takes place. Grand Prairie is situated right between Dallas and Fort Worth and is the possible site of a new 15,000-seat hockey basketball arena. Dallas Chaparral partner Bob Folsom, not the prison, explained that a feasibility study on the proposed arena would be released on Monday. Folsom and Chaparral general manager Bob Reiner are scheduled to make a bid for the Dallas-Fort Worth area at Wednesday's NHL meeting. Folsom has the $25,000 uh good faith fee that the NHL wants. He's got that in his hand, ready to make the bid. Folsom said he was optimistic because no one in all the expansion groups was further ahead than his group was on their arena plans. He said, if we don't get the franchise immediately, there's no reason why we wouldn't get the 1976 team. Folsom said the new arena is not dependent on getting an NHL franchise and they're going to build it one way or another. doesn't matter. Other cities, of course, that are making bids this week are said to be Cleveland, Kansas City, Baltimore, Washington, Cincinnati, and Indianapolis, and there may even be others. Now, Cincinnati's an interesting one. They're the Sabres farm team. They lost $400,000 on the minor league operation a year ago, according to one source. There'll be other stuff that we're going to talk about as the day gets closer for these meetings, but this is something that came out on Monday. Bill Fleischman of the Philadelphia Daily News was on fire this week with his WHA news. Monday, he reported the first of what might be several defections from the Flyers. It happened on the weekend when defenseman Brent Hughes and his agent Chuck Abraham told general manager of the Flyers Keith Allen that Hughes has signed with the New York Raiders of the World Hockey Association. Allen was in Richmond, Virginia to announce the appointment of Larry uh, Wilson as the coach there and he blasted Abraham's bargaining tactics. Uh, Allen says during the course of our negotiations I don't think he dealt in good faith. Imagine that. 
lawyers and agents and general managers not dealing in good faith. Allen said that most agents recognize that the WHA are going to make big offers. And they also recognize that most players are willing to sign uh, for less just to stay in the NHL. Uh, Allen uh, said... You negotiate, then say, let's get serious. Now, Abraham never said if we get to a certain area, we can do business. So basically, Keith is saying he was uh, flying blind in these negotiations. Allen said he offered Hughes, who's 29 years old, a contract after hearing what the Raiders were giving him. What they offered was such an increase, according to Allen, over what what, uh, Hughes made last year. Allen says, there's no way I jump into that area. I increased our offer, but it turned into a one-way negotiation. Now, a week ago, Hughes had said he had been offered $12,000 less than Flyers defenseman Joe Watson. With two goals and 20 assists last year, Hughes was runner-up to Rick Foley in scoring amongst the Flyers defensemen. Now, with all this talk of the WHA and the uh, announcement of two teams to be added in 74-75, it was kind of flying under the radar that the NHL was having an expansion draft in just a few weeks to stock the new New York, or should say Long Island, and Atlanta teams. Well, there was a story that came out Tuesday from Canadian Press. Bill Torrey, general manager of the New York Islanders, refused to confirm or deny that he and Cliff Fletcher the general manager of that new Atlanta entry. He didn't want to uh, confirm that they have agreed on which players they're going to pick first in the draft of amateurs in Montreal in June. The two expansion teams, of course, are going to have the first choice of amateur talent as they prepare to put their first teams on the ice this fall. Let the other teams keep guessing, said Torrey, when he was asked, who are you going to pick? He would not comment on a Vancouver television report that Long Island would pick Jacques Richard of Quebec and Atlanta would take Toronto Marlboro's forward Billy Harris as the first two picks of the draft. But he did report that he and Fletcher had agreed on procedures to be followed in deciding which expansion team will have first choice in the five categories of player picking. Now, Corey explained it, and actually Bill was pretty wise in this. He said that when Buffalo and Vancouver came in the league, uh, Punchimlack and Bud Poyle decided to flip coins or do a roulette wheel or something for the first choice in each player acquisition category. Now, Bill said, as he recalled it, Vancouver lost just about every time, and Imlac got all the major choices. So Torrey said as far as he was concerned, uh, Fletcher and he reached an agreement on how to proceed when we get to the June meetings so that each of the new teams will get a fair share of the first picks. The five categories of choices listed by Torrey are the amateur draft, the regular expansion draft, the goalkeeper expansion draft, the interleague draft, and minors and claims and uh, on waivers out of the NHL. So none of the drama that went between Buffalo and Vancouver with the uh, really messed up turn of the roulette wheel when Clarence Campbell maybe had a few too, Merlot, too many Merlots before the meeting. He couldn't see that Buffalo had one rather than Vancouver. Uh, So this is going to maybe take away a little of the drama, a little of the fun, but a little less stress for Bill Torrey and Cliff Fletcher. Also on Tuesday, the Canadian Amateur Hockey Association meetings uh, continued and the CAHA came out, according to Canadian Press, and made a statement that it will provide strong opposition to any government intervention in the control of amateur hockey in Canada, and that was according to CAHA President Joe Kriska. That game is speaking in St. John, New Brunswick. Uh, Talking during the second day of the National Association's six-day annual meeting, the Alberta lawyer cautioned delegates about a move afoot to create some more bureaucratic groups who would be paid commissioners or paid employees who would run hockey in this country. Sounds a little bit like the Alberta proposal that we read about from Monday. A complete disruption of amateur hockey would be the result 
result of government intervention, according to Kriska. A report prepared by physical education professor Dr. Jean Mahar of the University of New Brunswick in Fredericton was the cause for the concern, he said. The report presented to the Federal Health Department last year called for creation of a new structure whereby the the country would be divided into regions and a commissioner of hockey named plus paid regional commissioners would be put in place. Amateur hockey operates in this country because of the volunteer, the guy who stands in the snowbank with the kids, who then gets involved at the administrative level, Kriska said. If you ever destroy that grassroots structure and replace it with paid civil servants or some other type of commission, the people who are gladly volunteering their time are going to say they don't want any part of that kind of organization and who could blame them. No, we haven't forgotten about this story. It's just been lying dormant for a while. You remember we talked about Harold Ballard and Stafford Smythe being arrested on fraud and theft charges. Uh, Then staff uh, unfortunately passed away, and it seemed like the story was forgotten. Well, of course, just remand after remand. This week, the trial of Harold Ballard was finally ready to get underway And it began with the reading of a 20-page indictment charging theft and fraud of $205,000 from Maple Leaf Gardens between January 1964 to December 1970. Ballard, who pleaded not guilty to defrauding the gardens of $82,000 and theft of gardens funds totaling $123,000, stood silently in the dock for 40 minutes while the court clerk read the indictment. The fraud charges uh, that Ballard used Gardens funds for repairs and improvements to his home and cottage and for the purchase of motorcycles and cycling equipment for his family. The theft charge alleges that Ballard and his longtime partner, the late C. Stafford Smythe, deposited checks intended for the gardens in a private bank account. Smythe, who was arrested with Ballard, died this past October 13th of complications from a bleeding ulcer. Most of the theft charges involve payments from the Canadian Amateur Hockey Association to the Marlboro Junior A Hockey Club, and those funds were allegedly deposited into the private accounts. Among the 28 separate allegations in the fraud indictment is one that Ballard had a sauna bath installed in his home paid for with funds listed as, quote, replacement and parts for equipment in the Maple Leafs dressing room. Another fraud allegation involves the hiring of three limousines for the wedding of Ballard's daughter and of course the cost of the limousines was charged according to the indictment to Maple Leaf Gardens. Some WHA news for you now. The New York Raiders on Tuesday announced the signing of two players to multi-year contracts. They are right winger Bill Flett and left winger Dave Schultz. Flett played last year for the LA Kings and the Philadelphia Flyers, to whom he was traded during the season, and Schultz was with the Richmond Robins in the Philadelphia Flyers organization in the American Hockey League. So these two guys, apparently, according to the New York Raiders and the Associated Press, are going to be playing in the new WHA next year. At least that's the story as it sits on this day. Some other uh, NH- or WHA signings, two Yugoslavians and a Hungarian were si- have signed contracts with the Los Angeles Sharks. And the Sharks general manager, uh, actually the owner general manager, I don't know exactly what his uh, position, Dennis Murphy, had been the vice president of the WHA. He said that the Sharks had signed goalie Joseph Antoine Gale, 26, and winger Rudy Hitty, H-I-T-I, 
25. They played for the Yugoslavian national team and a center by the name of Zoltan Horvath, no relation that we could find to Bronco, former Bruin. And he was a leading scorer for the Budapest, Budapest team in Hungary, although we have no idea what league that team played in. And Bill Fleischman again had some uh, World Hockey Association news. Actually, it was more of advice for the Philadelphia Flyers. Bill writes, move over, Flyers. You better brace yourself for some tough competition. The World Hockey Association is completing plans to establish a franchise in Philadelphia. And attorney James Cooper and Bernard Brown insist they have the solid financial banking to make a go of it. Although still without players, a home arena, a general manager, a coach, or even a nickname, these are just like the Atlanta NHL team, Cooper and Brown say they're confident that they can compete successfully at the turnstiles with the established Flyers. Cooper, he's an Atlantic City lawyer, by the way, said that the major problem at present is a suitable playing facility. Purchase of the franchise was made contingent on the availability of somewhere for the team to play. And geez, imagine that. Now, since Ed Snyder, who's the chairman of the Flyers, owns and controls most of the spectrum, this could probably be a sticky situation if this team wants to play there. Well, how does Cooper feel about competing at the box office with the Flyers if they manage to get the team started at all? Cooper says, I've been a Flyers season ticket holder every year except their first season and he feels enough potential fans in the metropolitan Philadelphia area could support two teams and in fact he's been asked to give his season tickets back and he says he's keeping them he'll pay for them he still wants his Flyers season tickets Cooper said he doesn't think it will hurt the Flyers having the second team he says this type of competition which does create real fan interest according to Cooper has to be good for both teams Cooper says really I firmly believe that hockey is just in its infancy in Philadelphia it's the most exciting sport there is typifying the temple of life as we live it today Now, Cooper says that the World Hockey Association has one big advantage over the NHL, and they are right in this. All the teams, when the league starts in October, will be relatively equal in talent right from the get-go. That's something that still doesn't exist in the NHL after it doubled in size in 1967. If you don't believe me, just find tapes of a game between the Montreal Canadiens and California Golden Seals. You'll see the difference. If Cooper's successful, one of the Flyers' all-time favorites, goalkeeper Bernie Perrant, will still be playing for the new team in Philadelphia. He had been traded to Toronto a year and a half ago, then he jumped to the WHA, and now he'll get to return to Philadelphia, just not in the color of the Flyers. So Wednesday, the NHL Board of Governors met in New York to decide uh, or discuss to hear application presentations from the cities that want to expansion teams. Uh, Stan Fischler's report in the Toronto Star is what I'm going to give you here. I really wish that the time the Star had let Frank or Red Burnett or one of the real hockey writers cover it. But for us poor Canadians, this is what they put out there. The NHL owners convene here today for a three-day expansion meeting after which they will select two new teams. It was only a two-day meeting, but Stan says it was three. Oh, well. Kansas City and Cincinnati were the favorites, according to Fischler, to be the winners by the time the NHL's game of franchise roulette was completed on Friday. Would not be completed Friday. But league governors suggest that several other contenders have a chance. There are 10 applications in all for the franchises representing eight cities. One reliable NHL source said there's not a shoe-in in the pack. Uh, every source that I had read at that time and since I've been doing this research said that there was shoe-in and that one shoe-in would be Kansas City. Firm bids were also made by Baltimore, Washington, Cleveland, San Diego, Phoenix, Denver, Dallas-Fort Worth, and Indianapolis, according to Fischler. In reality, there was no uh, 
offer no application from Baltimore that was heard. It was the owner of the Baltimore Bullets NBA team making an application for Washington, D.C. There were, as Stan says, no Canadian entries on the docket or anticipated. And that means that by 74-75, the NHL have a ratio of 15 American teams to only three from Canada. Hardly surprising. Now, officially went on to write that Kansas City was believed to be the best bet in the race because of several key governors have given their unofficial support and that in addition, Jeff Jennings, a son of New York Rangers president William Jennings, reportedly is involved as a major figure in one of the two Kansas City applications. There were actually three Kansas City applications. There had been four up until last week when Lieutenant Governor William Morris of Missouri uh basically just uh, declined to attend the meetings and let the three uh, other groups fight it out. Now, Fischler writes that Cincinnati was given a better than fair chance on the strength of an unusually attractive presentation made to the governors at a meeting last winter. That Ohio City has planned an ultra-modern riverfront arena to house its proposed NHL team. Cleveland, which is Cincinnati's interstate competitor, is a sentimental NHL favorite for expansion, having lost a controversial franchise bid in the early 50s when the late Jim Hendy operated the American Hockey League Bidens. However, Nick Maletti, leader of the new Cleveland Drive, appears to lack sufficient NHL backing to win approval. The governor's frown on Maletti, said an NHL source, who of course is unnamed, this is a Stan Fischler story. Uh, the NHL governor's, Fischler says, uh, frown on Maletti because he has to spread himself too thin in other sports. And they want a full-time hockey man. Unless, of course, they're giving a team to Los Angeles where they have Jack Kent Cook, who had his hands in the NFL, had his hands in the NBA. And yeah, what day is it? We make up the rules as we go along. And Stan should know that. The Dallas-Fort Worth bid was, of course, considered a long shot. Uh, And likewise, San Diego Phoenix were regarded with uh, some skepticism by the NHL moguls because uh, they live in a warm climate. You can't have hockey in a warm climate. Boy, is that attitude going to change in a few years. Hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Hockey League and now available in Ontario, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and you get $100 in free bets no matter what if your team wins or loses. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings, same game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals are going to be scored, or even a lot more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. That's THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and you get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply and see our show notes for details. Some Wednesday signings. Mark Tardiff with Canadians. Phil Roberto, a multi-year deal with the Blues, to whom he had been traded from Montreal last season. Fran Huck, the MVP of the Western Hockey League, also signed a three-year deal with St. Louis. Pete Laframboise. You haven't heard much of him. He's a California farmhand who played for Baltimore of the American Hockey League last year and was the highest-scoring left-wing in the AHL, and the the, uh, Seals were apparently counting on Pete to make their team next year. He signed with the Los Angeles Sharks. And goalie Ernie Wakely, at one time thought to be 
the uh, heir apparent to Glenn Hall and Jacques Plante in St. Louis, left the St. Louis Blues for the World Hockey Association Winnipeg Jets. And apparently he did this after he had learned he had been traded by St. Louis to Detroit. And he wasn't happy in St. Louis because he was relegated to basically third string status and going to Detroit in the prospect of playing for Ned Harkness. Why wouldn't you go to Winnipeg? Uh, another coaching news, Floyd Smith was named the coach of the American Hockey League Cincinnati Swords, but the parent Buffalo Sabres, when they held the press conference to announce it, were asked who the general manager of the Cincinnati team would be, and they said, we're not naming a general manager at this time, which means that probably assistant general manager Freddie Hunt of the Sabres is going to be spending a lot of time in Cincinnati next winter. Okay, this is a good WHA story. Bill Fleischman again from the Philadelphia Daily News. Stop me if you've heard this. Friday, the Flyers announced the signing of Dave Schultz. Saturday, Flyers announced the signing of Bob Kelly. Monday, New York Raiders signed Dave Schultz. Tuesday, Chicago Cougars signed Bob Kelly. Does anybody here know what's actually going on? Kelly said, to my knowledge, I have not signed a contract with Chicago. He, Kelly, is actually at a, an Ontario Lake Resort, his uncle's place, while two professional hockey teams claim him as their property. Now, Bob, who's only 21, admitted he signed a, quote, agreement, whatever that means. It's something that would be effective at a later date, said Bob Kelly, meaning he signed something, but it's not effective right now, so he's free to sign with the Flyers? We don't know. Now, Ed Short who was a baseball general manager in Chicago, he's going to argue over what Kelly signed. The Cougars GM, who, by the way, had been the general manager of the Chicago White Sox, so he has big league experience, if not hockey experience, said, I have in my hand a World Hockey Association standard players contract signed by one Robert Kelly and witnessed by Howard Casper. If that's not a contract... I don't know what is. Short said he signed Kelly to a multi-year pact last Tuesday at a meeting in Quebec City. And you remember we talked about that in last week's show. After signing, I remember going to the hotel lobby and saying how happy we were to have Bob Kelly with our team. That's what Short said. At the airport, Short introduced Kelly to people connected with the WHA St. Paul Club, and then Kelly flew back to Toronto with Ben Haskins, who's the owner of the Winnipeg Jets. Now, Bob Kelly's version differs. He says that he never went to Quebec with any intention of signing with the WHA team Chicago. He said, I just went to have a chat. It's a new league and you got to look at them at least. Then I went to Philly. I was happier with their deal and I signed with them. I expect to be at the Flyers training camp in September. Well, Thursday arrived and uh, in the morning we expected some trade news because the NHL froster freezed up prior to the June meetings. The deadline for freezing those rosters was Wednesday midnight why they had that deadline at midnight they'd been doing this for years and finally they got it right years later but yeah it was Wednesday so the trading deadline of course the spring trade deadline if you will would have been Wednesday night now we thought there would be a bunch of trades and we were wrong there were only two uh, that were announced that day. The first one saw the Red Wings send their first round amateur draft pick and minor league defenseman Joe Zanuzzi to the New York Rangers for defenseman Gary Doak and minor leaguer Rick Newell. Yeah, that Ned Harkness wants to build his team by getting young players from the draft and then he sends his first pick for Gary Doak. 
And how many people had even heard of Rick Newell outside of his family? Rick Newell, probably a really good guy, didn't make his mark in the NHL. And they also gave a re- reasonably serviceable player in Joe Zanuzzi to the Rangers in addition. Now, another duel, the Rangers, overstocked in defense, sent defenseman Steve Durbano from the local jail, sorry, from the Rangers to the Blues in exchange for future considerations. Durbano, as everyone in hockey probably knew, set a Central Hockey League penalties and minutes record last season with an incredible 402 minutes in the sin bin. A very erratic guy, Steve Durbano. And erratic, I think, is being kind. National Hockey League President Clarence Campbell spoke with Rex McLeod of the Toronto Globe and Mails on uh, late Thursday talking about the uh, expansion meetings and the WHA. He started off by saying that he expects that Bobby Hull will be performing as usual in the NHL next season. Hull is the big shot of the Chicago Blackhawks, has said he is seriously uh, contemplating a switch to the Winnipeg Jets of the WHA for a million down and another million on a five-year installment plan. There are very good economic reasons that would give Hull pause to stay where he is, said Clarence Campbell. Now, Campbell went on to say that, of course, he wasn't going to advise Bobby Hull what to do. He's old enough to know what he's doing. But Campbell said, I expect he'll be playing in the NHL next year. Now, Tommy Ivan, general manager of the Blackhawks, refused to discuss Hull's salary ambitions with the Blackhawks or the Jets. Ivan said, I won't comment on it. I'm too old to get involved in anything like that. Ivan says he's never tried to use the newspapers to get anyone to sign a contract or vice versa. He did admit that some contract negotiations have gone on between Hull and his agent or lawyer and the Hawks. With Hull and the Hawks, the power play goes on apparently all year round. Campbell, of course, was at the uh, governor's meeting and he said that he had firm convictions about the WHA, WHA, but that it was necessary to practice self-discipline. Campbell says, I have private views, but I gauged in litigation with them, the WHA, so I cannot speak to the matter. Of course, he was referring to the legal contest involving New York's WHA team and the New York area team that will enter the NHL this fall. The WHA team contends that it was deprived of dates in the new Nassau arena. Cam Campbell, like President Richard Nixon, made it abundantly clear that NHL players who sign contracts with the WHA teams will not get a handshake and a bon voyage from their original team. In all cases, players are going to receive a reminder from the league that they are expected to fulfill their contracts, even contracts that they would not have signed because of the reserve clause, which binds them to a team for life. Uh, That's known as sports slavery, really. Brad Selwood, a defenseman of the Toronto Maple Police, recently signed to play with the New England Whalers in the WHA. Campbell said that Selwood already has received notification from the NHL that as he expected to honor his unsigned, non-existent current contract with the Maple Leafs. Campbell didn't say unsigned non-existence. I added that. The WHA has been propositioning NHL players whose contracts have run out, but Campbell said the league attitude is that the players are still bound by the option or reserve clause. This gives each team, and only that team, the right to negotiate a new contract with its players. The WHA has declared it will not recognize option clauses. Now, Campbell's a vigorous champion of the option clause. Numerous times he said that is essential for the successful functioning of the NHL. And he was reminded of this yesterday. And he said, certainly I said that. But it doesn't mean we can't operate without fringe players. It was mentioned that Robert Marvin Hull is not a fringe player. But Campbell retorted by saying that Mr. Hull has not signed anything as of yet. Now, the NHL on Thursday was to announce 
the two new franchises that were going to join the team for the 74-75 season. But they did not. After two days of listening to presentations from all the applicants, the league governor said that they will delay confirming which cities would be admitted to their brethren until the league's annual summer meetings in June. There were rumors even flying about that suggested that the NHL could admit four teams at that time, two in 74-75 and two more in 76-77 instead of just the two. Uh, lots of things up in the air at this time, and that was one of them. They couldn't even make up their minds on the two next teams. And we had more Canadian Amateur Hockey Association news today. One blockbuster, the Alberta Amateur Hockey Association announced its resignation from the CAHA effective immediately. They gave no reason for the resignation submitted in a one-paragraph letter to CAHA Executive Director Gordon Jux at the association's annual meeting there in St. John, New Brunswick. The CAHA bylaws, which allow for resignation from membership in the association, says that following a resignation, it shall be the duty of the officers of this association to proceed with the organization of a branch in the territory formerly under control of the branch, so resigning. Earlier in the day, the Alberta Association suffered a resounding defeat in an attempt to move a motion calling for the end of the program agreements with the National Hockey League and that is believed to be behind this sudden and kind of a blockbuster resignation by Alberta. And another CAHA news uh, that executive director Gordon Jukes he's been with uh, the organization for many years well he said on Thursday that a world junior tournament they've never done that a world junior tournament could be held uh, as early as 1973 with all the major hockey powers involved. He didn't say where it would be held or what the uh, parameters would be, what the context would be, but he said that a World Junior Tournament is under consideration. It could be held within the next year or so, and Juke said it might even become an annual event if they can drum up enough interest. And a little bit of uh, other CAHA news. Uh, females well, are not going to be permitted to play hockey under the auspices of the Canadian Amateur Hockey Association. This despite the attempts by a 20-year-old Toronto girl uh, to have the association change the rules to allow women to play hockey under the CAHA banner. Now, you may remember we've talked about this in the past. Karen Koch is a goaltender originally from Michigan who moved to Toronto because she wants to play hockey. No, she does not want to be a National Hockey League player. She's very realistic. She understands what kind of a hockey player she is. She doesn't want to play in the NHL, but she is a pretty fair country goalkeeper. And she wants to participate in the Metropolitan Toronto Intermediate Hockey League because it is a member of the CAHA, but she can't because the CAHA says no women in hockey. So Karen Koch can't play hockey in any team that is under the CAHA banner. And that's that. Well, she did attend the meeting. And she said that uh, she prepared a uh, petition with 1,500 names explaining her predicament. She said there were women's teams in Toronto, but she felt qualified to 10 goal for a higher quality league. And they said, we don't care how good you are. You're a woman and we don't want you. And that was that. Some WHA signings from Thursday. New York Raiders at it again. Agreeing to terms with this new New York team were goalie Gary Kurt, right winger Norm Ferguson, both who played for the California Golden Seals last year, defenseman Brent Hughes, well we knew about that, and another defenseman, Billy Spear, and center Brian Perry. Now Spear and Perry are both former NHL players who were with Providence of the American League last year. The Raiders also announced the signing of minor league center Claude Charter, or Chart, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. He was with the New Jersey Devils 
of the Eastern League. And the New York, New England Whalers were busy signing a couple guys. Uh, forwards Dick Sarazen from the Philadelphia Flyers and Tom Earl, who had played for the Kansas City Blues of the Central Hockey League in the St. Louis Blues organization. Some Ottawa Nationals news on Thursday. Look for the first official announcement of signed players for the Nationals within a week. The Ottawa entry in the World Hockey Association plans to end a long silence by introducing four or five players at a press conference at the Ottawa Civic Center. Owner Doug Michelle and his right-hand man, Bill Page, refuse to divulge the names of any players the Nats have signed to date. But another source claimed that when the first players are unveiled next week as signed for the new league, one of them will be a member of Boston Stanley Cup winners, not of this past year, but of 69-70, and it won't be Phil Esposito or Bobby Orr. This story, by the way, written by Jack Kaufman of the uh, Ottawa Citizen, says that the Nats want to have four or five chaps under contract and ready to make personal appearances before scheduling their announcement party. And it should be only a matter of days before they receive the signed contracts. While hockey fans are wondering whether the WHA will ever get off the ground, the Nats apparently are making plans to stay around for quite a few months. They moved their offices from the Tiffany Apartments to the Ottawa Civic Center Wednesday morning, and they're trying to move some season tickets into the hands of people who will give them some money in return. The club has not yet vacated the driveway scene altogether, though. Uh, Doug Michelle, Page, and GM Buck Hool will continue to reside in the Tiffany Apartments where the club has just signed a new four-month lease. Four months would take the club to the end of September, so it indicates they plan to be around at least that long. A club official was asked whether the four-month lease meant the Nats were not sure they'd be around all winter, and he just laughed at that. He said, we'll decide then whether we want to remain at Tiffany or look for a smaller place. But we're staying, that's for sure, and so will be the WHA. Interesting story on Friday from the Canadian press. Paul Henderson of the Maple Leafs making news. Not the big news he would make later this year, but he was uh, in Sarnia for their first annual sportsman dinner. And Henderson said that in addition to goalie Bernie Perrant and Brad Selwood and Ricky Lee... Uh, apparently Ricky Lee, according to Henderson, had already signed a WHA contract. While Henderson says that Norm Ullman, Dave Keon, Jim Harrison, Mike Pellick, Brian Glennie, as well as himself, were seriously considering moving to the WHA. Henderson cited the least failure to negotiate with players before the end of last season. And Henderson just said, look at this. Look at Minnesota North Stars. They got everybody signed. They didn't lose anybody because Ren Blair was very proactive with this WHA thing. Now, Brian Glennie did confirm that he's negotiating with the Minnesota Fighting Saints and with the Leafs as well through Alan Eagleson, who's the president of the NHLPA. And that would seem to be a bit of a... Uh, conflict. You know, you're president of a, a league players association, but you're trying to allow some of your own members to move to a different league where you don't have a player association. Hmm. Interesting. Some other player news that came along. Mike Murphy, 21-year-old right winger, sent a Blues rookie scoring record with 20 goals and 23 assists. He signed his 72-73 contract with the Blues. And the Kings announced the signing of center Butch Goring, defenseman Paul Curtis, and left winger Real Lemieux. The Penguins got a goalie under contract. He is Cam Newton. It's a one-year deal. Newton was with Hershey of the American League last year. And in a special to the star, we think this came from the Ottawa Citizen. Yes, uh, we talked about earlier in the show uh, about a player signing or several players signing. Well, the word leaked out that Wayne Carlton of the California Seals has agreed to a multi-year contract with the Ottawa Nationals. Now, he scored 55 goals in 278 NHL games for the Leafs, the Bruins, and 
the seals. Now, nobody would confirm or deny Carlton's acquisition on the Ottawa side, but it's understood that the only thing stopping the announcement is they have to agree on some sort of tax arrangement. And a few more signings to close out this week's show. Uh, Joe Daly of the Detroit Red Wings, now formerly of the Detroit Red Wings, he's a Winnipeg native, and he has agreed to sign with the Jets of the WHA, giving the Jets better goalkeeping than some NHL teams, as now they have Joe Daly and Ernie Wakeley. An official of the New England Whalers denied a report that uh, Ricky Lee had signed with the WHA club, although Paul Henderson seemed to think he he did. Now, Lee was on the Whalers' preferred list, but he hadn't yet been signed. Houston signed a pair of players. They are goalie Wayne Rutledge, who had some success with the LA Kings when the league first expanded, and Gordon Labossier. And Gordon Labossier was the first skater chosen by the LA Kings in the 1967 expansion draft. The Flyers got two veterans under contract. They were Joe Watson, a defenseman, and center Bill Clement. Well, actually, Clement was a rookie last year. I shouldn't have said he was a veteran. Jim Harrison of the Maple Leafs did admit he's very close money-wise to signing with the Edmonton team in the WHA. And uh, the Blues, by the way, uh, reported that they weren't upset by girl Ernie Wakeley's defection to Winnipeg. And they said that they were going to leave him uh, exposed in the expansion draft. And another coaching bit of news on Friday was that Bep Gwidlin, who guided the Boston Braves to the AHL regular season title, he signed a two-year contract with the Bruins Firing Club, ending speculation he was heading for the WHA. And I had also heard his name in connection with Atlanta before... Boom Boom Jeffrey on sign there. Oh, the Canucks' Bub Poyle was negotiating with Rosaire Paymont on next season's contract. Rosie said that the offer from the World Hockey Association Chicago Cougars was absolutely amazing. Well, Poyle said that Payma made the offer sound so lucrative that he told Paymont, if they can pay you money like that, find out if they got any general manager's jobs open. So that's this week's show, everyone. And what did we learn this time around? Well, we did learn that the WHA gets a little more real every week and that big signings are in the offing and some names that are being recognized are inking deals. We also learned that there were some NHL players just like last week that were wanting to stay with their teams. The Philadelphia Flyers seemed to be in the middle of of everything this week and uh, we really were wondering just what was going on there, how players were being said to sign with both leagues. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about this in the coming weeks. And we had a lot of Canadian Amateur Hockey Association news uh, this week. Some of it good, some of it not so good. Uh, And a couple of nasty things. Alberta just resigning from the organization cannot be a good thing. And them just outright rejecting women playing hockey. I could not believe they did this in 1972. And here we are 50 years later. Uh, Women's hockey has come a long way. I'm really happy to see what I see now. It's even better if I can editorialize. Uh, In the broadcast part of it, the Hockey Night in Canada panel that goes uh, at each game that Hockey Night in Canada is putting on, the best member of that entire panel is Jennifer Botterill. And if they got rid of Elliot Friedman and Kevin Bieksa and Ron McLean, who in last night's show uh, displayed some racist tendencies in the way he commented on Nazem Kadri, I wouldn't be at all upset. Kelly Rudy can stay. He's a nice man, a good man, an honest man. And he and Jennifer Botterill would be just fine as in-between period commentators. So that's our show this week. We're going to be back next week with a lot more off-season news. The 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast is produced by Andy Cole. I can't thank Andy enough for all his hard work on this project. He can put a podcast together for you. He does it professionally. If you're thinking of starting one up, get hold of me. I'll hook you guys up. He's one of the best 
in the business. Very popular Juno-nominated Toronto indie rock group, the Rural Alberta Advantage, provides our intro and exit music. If you ever get a chance to see them perform live, they put on a great high-energy show. Other musical pieces and sound effects in the podcast are produced by Andy Cole. Our research comes from files from the Toronto Star, Toronto Global Mail, and of course the many fine publications found at one of our sponsors, newspapers.com. Don't forget another sponsor, the Breakwall Brewing Company located in beautiful downtown Port Coburn, Ontario. If you get to the Niagara area this summer, please look me up. Uh, we'll have a beer and a burger at the Breakwall. You can find us on Twitter every day at, at Hockey 50 Years. We're on Facebook under the 50 Years Ago in Hockey banner. We have a WordPress site, Hockey50YearsAgo.com. And of course, you find us here on the Hockey Podcast Network or through your favorite podcast app every week. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. This off-season is really going to be something interesting. I, I just can't wait to get through everything that's going to happen here. There's going to be surprises. There's going to be things that we didn't uh, count on. And it'll be interesting to relive it all again. At least that's what I'm doing right now. On that note, we'll see you next time. When the ice breaks.